I've been wanting to do this message for a long time, and the reason I haven't done it in long, for a long time actually is because I really felt like I need to live it for a while in my own life before I did it, okay? Uh, but, you know, when I was a kid, I was very interested in how things worked. Anybody like that, like, you want to know how something works, like, you know, I've tore down so many, tore up so much stuff in my life, <laughs> couldn't put it back together, you know, thank the Lord my daddy could put everything back together, so he would go behind me and fix my my messes. But uh, this is this message is about how grace works in your life, okay? All righty, I mean, this will really help you. I'm telling you, this, will, this message has the potential of changing your life. It has the potential, okay? What, so... God help us to hear with the eyes of our ears of our heart. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read Romans 5, 17. Because this is where the Lord spoke this to me one day. <clears throat> so don't glaze on me. Okay. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. Of course, that's the original, original parents, Adam and Eve. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and... Everybody say, and. and. The gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Note it says, will reign. Everybody say, will reign. How many people want to reign in this life? Now, we're not talking about reigning in heaven. We're talking about reigning right now. Okay, so uh, mathematically, that's grace plus the gift of righteousness equals reigning in this life right now. Uh, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, right, and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You know, in the church, we really put a lot of focus on the kingdom, right? Rightfully so, we should seek the kingdom, and I love what Andy said. What did he say? Was, where's Andy? How did he say that? Somebody, how did he, you know, something about it already is and is coming quickly. It's coming and is and now is. That's a great way. That's a great revelation. It, the kingdom is coming and now is. We're living in those, both those, those places. It now is and it's coming. It's, hey, it's, it's Isaiah 6. Uh, uh, Isaiah saw the Lord. Said his train filled the temple. You know, that was... The picture of a, you know, being at a wedding, and the girl walks in the back door, and she's standing in the room, but her train is still out there in the foyer, and then she, and, but the Lord's train just keeps coming and 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 coming. The kingdom never ends; it's just always coming. That's how you look at that. Isn't that a powerful way to look at that? But we really need to seek the kingdom, and everybody say, "And His righteousness." His righteousness is such an important part because that's how grace works. Let's read Romans 5.21. It said, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the way, you know, we last week, remember, if you were here, talked about faith and grace. And that God has already given every man faith. We all have faith. We've got it. And faith is how you access this grace. And grace is Ephesians 1, 3. Every spiritual blessing. 
okay, in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And faith is how we access it. So God has given us faith to access all the blessings, everything, okay? Uh, but, and grace enables us to live this life, okay? The light, that, that word light there means zoe. I've heard of that wrong. It's, a, it's, it's John 10, 10. Z-O-E is the Greek word. I'm sure you've heard this before. John 10, 10. I have come to give you life, Z-O-E, and life, Z-O-E, more abundantly. That's what Jesus said I come to do for people. And so this is what, and grace enables us to live that life. Grace, if it has a heart of righteousness to work through. Okay? If it has a heart of righteousness, because it's grace plus righteousness reigning, having this, this Zoe abundant life. So anybody interested in having that kind of life? Well, that's how, this is how you do it. Let me, all right, let me uh, read a Philippians 3, 9. It says, Paul said this, I, will, I want to be found in Him, in Christ, not having my own righteousness. Not having my own righteousness. Now see, now right here in the Bible, there's two kinds of righteousness. Really is in the New Testament. There's two kinds of righteousness. There's a righteousness based on what we do, and there's a righteousness called faith righteousness. Okay, that's the two kinds of righteousness that we have before us that we have to make a decision about. Your own righteousness, which is from the law, but that is, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now. I realize with all us high-level Christians in this room, that's why we glaze over on this uh, thing called righteousness, okay? Unfortunately, most of us high-level Christians are really not walking in this Zoe life. So we've got to ask ourselves, you know, what's wrong with our Christian life, Lord? Well, it's because we don't have this revelation. It's great, Satan's greatest trick that he plays on all of us. Okay, is to try is to get us to try to become righteous based on what we do. Okay, that's that's what he's constantly working on with everybody in this room all the time. That is that, and when it really comes right down to it, that is our one of our greatest temptations we ever face. It's trying to do something to be right with God, and that's really what the word righteous actually means. It's a legal term meaning to position oneself rightly, to position oneself rightly. In other words, what, what Jesus did is he took all of us and positioned us before God rightly. We all have a right relationship with God by faith, and we are positioned rightly before God by what Christ did. But what happens with most of us is we begin to try to do something to be positioned or do something to stay positioned right with God. We think if we, if we can do, like, in other words, if, I, if I'm a good person, if I will do right, if I will treat people right, if I won't be critical, you know, if I won't judge, if, if I will pray, or if I will give all my money to the church, in which you are welcome to do this morning, <laughs> but you can give all you got, it will not make you righteous. And so we begin to think that those are the kinds of things we do. And once we do that, the grace of God cannot operate in our life because it doesn't have a true heart of righteousness to operate through. Are you all following that? Let me read this uh, 
Galatians 2.21. Actually, when we're saved, I want you to look at salvation like this. Salvation really is this. When you get saved, basically this is what you're doing. is you're laying down your right to be righteous based on what you do. And you are receiving His righteousness. That's what salvation really is. We're receiving God's righteousness. So when you get saved, you're receiving His righteousness. He gives you as a gift. That's pretty good, isn't it? This will change your life. All right. Anyway, Paul said in Galatians 2.21, you know, we love Galatians 2.20. The life I live on this earth, I live by the faith of the Son of God. But in 2.21, he says, I do not set aside another translation used frustrate so you can frustrate the grace of God in your life. You can set aside the grace of God in your life. Okay? You can do that. And that's what most of us, a lot of Christians are doing. Uh, I did it many times. And we set it aside uh, when we stop believing, when we stop trusting that we are righteous. That's how you set the grace of God. Did you hear that? what I just said to you? The moment you have to start doing something to be righteous, you have set aside the grace of God in your life. In other words, the grace of God, the power of God, the gifts of God, the glory of God, everything that's in the heavenly places, you have disconnected yourself from them. And see, that's why grace doesn't work in a lot of Christians' lives. In fact, if grace is not working in your life, it's because of a bad belief system you have. You're believing you've got to do something in addition to what's already been done for you. You believe that you have to add something to to make God happy. Does anybody, has anybody ever experienced that besides me? And see, that's the temptation. That's the battle that we all face. All righty? Now, let's look at Romans 4.3. Are y'all good so far? I'm trying my best to keep you from being glazed over. This is what I call one of Satan's best-kept secrets. Okay? It's, it begins in Romans 4, 3. But what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited. Everybody say credited. It was credited to him as righteousness. Okay? Now, we know that Abraham was the father of faith, right? That's what he's known as, the father of faith, because he's the first person, you know, that, who, who began to walk out this faith walk. He was like the father of the Jews. He's the original. Did you know how it all happened with Abraham? He was this dude. And one day, this God in heaven who he knew nothing about, did not know, revealed himself to him. Just out of the blue, suddenly, like he lived in a he lived in a heathen land without God. God was not even a known known factor in that land. And God revealed Himself to Abraham, and He said to Abraham, Abraham, you know, here's what you need. I want you to do with your life. Now I want you to understand this. It says that Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him to be righteous. But if you study Abraham's life, this is Satan's best kept secret. If you study Abraham's life. If you look at his life closely, you're going to discover something. As far as performance is concerned, Abraham was a total failure. He was an absolute total failure. Because everything God told him to do, he would do it in a different way. And the things that God told him not to do, he did. And this is how it all started. I want you to get this picture in your mind. This is a glorious picture that God has given us. To, get, to, to convince us of something. As the Lord spoke to him, said, I want you to get out of your land, get out of your country, you're of Chaldeans, and I want to get you to get away from your family. Well, you know what Abraham did? He didn't move. 
He did not leave right then when God told him to. So his daddy, his daddy said, Abraham, you need to leave. So guess what Abraham does? He packs up and leaves, but he takes his family with him. Even though the Lord said, get out and don't take your family, he hauls his family after his own daddy. He said, you better do what this God guy says. <laughs> you don't want to mess with this God guy. So he goes off, and then he stops in this place called Haran. God did not tell him to stop there. And he lived there, I think the Bible says, two years until his daddy died. After his daddy died, he went on down to Canaan where God had told him to go, where God led him to go. And he gets there, and unfortunately, because he didn't leave when he was supposed to leave, and he hung out at Haran too long, there was a famine in the land. And guess what Abraham did? He left. He didn't stay where God told him to stay. He left. God didn't tell him to leave. He left. He took it upon himself and left, and he went where? To Egypt. Okay? So he gets down here in Egypt, and he has this wife that's like a supermodel. Okay? The men in the land see the supermodel. They, of course, want the girl. And what does Abraham do? Oh, yeah, she's my sister. You can have her if you give me some bodyguards. So basically, here is the father of faith prostituting his wife. Okay? And here's the Lord out there in heaven. Abraham, that woman is the woman who the bloodline of Christ is going to come. What are you doing? So the Lord says to these men, if you touch her, I'll kill you. <laughs> these men get scared. Okay? They get really scared. Like, Abraham, what have you done to us? God's going to kill us over this woman. Why didn't you lie to us? Get out of here. Take her and go. So guess what Abraham does? Okay. But he takes another woman with him named Hagar. <laughs> okay, so he gets back to Cana, and he's thinking, well, you know, seems like the Lord's kind of forgot about what he wanted to do, you know, about this son he promised me. Hey, so why don't me and Hagar get together and have a son? So they do. In other words, he commits what we would call adultery. I mean, things are really getting messed up in this family, you know? And so they have this child, and the child's name is Ishmael. We all know about old Ishmael. And guess what? Ishmael is mad as fire to this day. I mean, and Mishael is making nuclear weapons, and they're going to bomb their half-brother, Israel, because they've always been ill at each other, even though they got the same daddy. Abraham loved Ishmael, dearly loved Ishmael, and begged God, please God, let Ishmael be the promise. In fact, if you ask a true Muslim person, they will tell you, Islam is the promised son. They really believe that, just like we believe Isaac was. That's what they believe. They think we're messed up because we believe Isaac was. We think they're messed up because they believe Ishmael was. Isn't that crazy? Well, we know the truth. The son of the bondwoman and some of the free woman. Sarah was the free woman. So, you know, eventually they, he has Isaac, and of course there's going to be some problems because God did not give them grace for each other. 
okay? He didn't give the women grace for each other. He didn't give the children grace for each other. Abraham had grace for all of them. He loved them all. He wanted them all there with him. But God would not allow it. They got in a big fight. Of course, they threw Hagar out throughout the desert. She was going to die. God rescued her, blessed Ishmael, made him a great nation, 12 princes. He's got all the oil, you know. Hey, have you ever heard that joke? I'll just tell you this to keep you from getting glazed over. Have you ever heard that joke that, uh, that, uh, that Moses said? And he was talking to God, and he said this. He said, now, wait a minute, God. Let me get this straight. They're getting all the oil, and you're going to cut me where? That's a pretty good joke, isn't it? They're getting all the oil, and you're going to do what to me? I don't think so. That ain't, how can that be a good deal, Lord? I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> oh, have mercy. <laughs> so that's a picture of the father of faith on purpose to communicate something to us. God said, and, and God said, Abraham, I'm going to count you as righteous because of one thing. He did believe God. Even though he blew it, for, Abraham blew his life bad. He did wrong, yet God said, you, Abraham, are righteous. I'm counting you righteous. I'm just going to determine that you're righteous. Well, we got something over Abraham. God doesn't count us righteous. God makes us righteous. We've gone to a higher level than Abraham. Okay? We've gone to a higher level. God ain't just counting us righteous. He's saying, you are righteous. I've made you righteous. And just like with Abraham, though, it depends on nothing on our part. Zero. Now, I want to set you free this morning. We don't have to do anything to be right with God. Nothing. I don't care what you think. You don't have to do Even in your worst moments... When you have sinned, okay, think about the worst sin you committed. Did you prostitute your wife? No, I don't think so. I hope you did. And if you did, but you know, even if you did, guess what? You're still righteous. And us believing that fact will make all the difference in the world with us. It really will make all the See, when I began to believe and to confess to God that no matter what I've done, no matter how I feel, no matter what's going on inside of my brain, I'm righteous. I'm, and I do not have to do anything to be righteous. Righteous means to be made right in the right relationship. I have a right relationship with God, period, not based on anything. Do you believe that this morning? Because when we begin to believe that, something happens in our life. I have a funny feeling. Obviously, some of you don't really believe it deep down inside. Honestly. Because I went for years. There was something inside of me that kept saying, you got to do something more because you ain't right. Have you, anybody else felt that? You don't measure, and he said it, you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You're not spiritual enough. That little voice inside of you. And you see, when we listen to that little voice... We, we frustrate the grace of God. We, we step outside the grace of God. And then the grace of God can't work in our life. Grace only works with a righteous heart. And when we begin to try to do something to be right, grace can't work. It's frustrated. It's shut down. It's stopped in your life. And then 
Because grace ain't working, you can't reign in life. You can't have authority over life. You can't make your life work the way you're supposed to make it work. And nothing you do is really going to work on it. You, your ministry is not going to work. Your home life's not going to work. Everything eventually is not going to work. Because you know what? Even the most disciplined and best ones of us in here eventually get wore out and get tired. Some people can have a good marriage for a season just based on their works, their efforts, what they pour into it and pour into it. But one day they're going to get tired. One day they're going to blow up and say things they shouldn't say and hurt. Do y'all believe that? The grace of God, though, will keep you going when you can't go. go. And that, Because that's how grace works. Grace is a power. It's an energy. And it only works when we begin to believe and declare over our life that we're righteous. So what I began to do, when my, this is what I literally began to do. And I really did it whenever I sinned or whenever I heard that little voice in my life that I wasn't good enough. You know what I would say? I would say, no, sir. No, sir. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I don't care if I just committed a terrible sin. I'm still righteous. Lord, I'm sorry I committed that sin. Will you forgive me? I'm righteous, though. I'm not going to be made righteous. I'm righteous. Now, here's what happens to people. Okay? When we do sin, our conscience... Start speaking to us. Because the conscience has to be satisfied. Well, guess what? There's a real easy answer for your conscience. It's in Hebrews 10. It says, The blood of Jesus cleanses our hearts from an evil conscience. In other words, a conscience that's demanding something because all sin demands something. Whenever there's a sin, it, sin there's something, there's something has to, this has to be corrected. This has to be addressed. And the blood addresses it. So whenever your heart, you see, we don't have an evil heart. We've been given a new heart, but our conscience can become evil on our hearts. And, it's, and our conscience is sitting on our hearts. Are y'all following this? Our conscience is sitting on our hearts, and it begins to speak to us. And it can actually begin to condemn us if we're not careful. And But what we do with our conscience is we let the blood come onto our heart. We just receive the blood on my heart. It washes the conscience. It cleanses the conscience. And then we begin to see again into our hearts and we say, Oh, yeah, I am righteous. Nothing should be condemning you as a believer, period. If something's condemning you, it must be stopped. Because you, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. No one has a right to condemn you. Even your own heart. See, you have to tell your heart, you don't have a right to condemn me. The blood is telling me, no, sir, Reed, you're not going to condemn me. My thoughts do not have a right to condemn me. I don't allow it. See, for years I lived under these thoughts that were condemning and judging and critical of me. My own thoughts. And so I put a stop to it, though, because I began to say, you have no right because I'm in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And once I begin to literally confess that and say that out, things begin to change in my life. Because really, and I'm going to tell you the truth, really what has happened in the church is we have been robbed of confession. We've been robbed of being there to make right confessions because of the extremes of confession. You know, the thing, you know, the confession, possession, all the stuff that got over way out of there that was not right, it was not really biblical. Okay? Are y'all good? This will change your life. Let me read this, Romans 10.10. 10. So I'm into this confession thing. All right, now here's the truth. When you begin to look at the Scripture, all right, uh, 
I can't say these are, these are exact percentages, okay? They're approximate percentages. 80% of the New Testament, when it talks about faith, does not talk about the faith to get something. 80%, when the New Testament talks about faith, has to do with the, our righteousness. Righteousness by faith. 20% has to do with other stuff. Now, that should tell you something, right? It tells me something. It tells me that the percentage of my life should be... That was R2. R2-D2. <laughs> 80% of my life about my faith should be operating towards righteousness. And, and, and then the other stuff... It's like healings and miracles and financial breakthroughs, all that. That's the 20%. The 80% has to do with who I am, what I am. And when I begin to focus on that, that other stuff begins to take care of itself. Do y'all get that? Now, I'm telling you, if you, that, I mean, why would God have 80% of the stuff in the Bible? This is what happened with Jesus one day, okay? I feel like I'm trying to convince you of something. I am trying to convince you of something because this made a huge difference in my life. One day, Mark 2. There's a story. Jesus was in this town, and he was in this house. And this is a great thing. It says, it was heard that he was in the house. Isn't that a great phrase in the Bible? It was heard that Jesus was in the house. In other words, if Jesus showed up at Ann Mur uh, Rachel's Murdoch's house, and I, Jesus is at Rachel's house. He's manifested over there. I would get to her house as fast as my, I could get over there. Wouldn't you? Because Jesus is manifested in Rachel's house. And so that's what was happening. All these people were packing into the house and packing around the yard because Jesus was there. And Jesus began to preach to them. And it said the power of God was present to heal them. And you know what it said about the people who were there? It was the Pharisees and Sadducees. God was fixing to do something that day for them. He was fixing to really heal the religious people's hearts and bodies. He was going to do a major thing. It was a powerful day. Well, these guys had a friend who was a quadriplegic. Couldn't, you know, couldn't feel anything from the, from the, you know, all the way down his body. And they couldn't get into the house. So what does these people do? They tear the roof open. I guess R2. And they lower G this guy down in front of Jesus while he's preaching. Wouldn't that be crazy? All of a sudden you're sitting there and this guy's coming down from the roof on ropes, laying in a, on a stretcher. So what happened that day? And you know what Jesus said? Son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> and those people out there, those Pharisees and Sadducees, in their hearts, begin to say, this guy's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Well, Jesus, it says, perceived their thoughts. Don't you think God can't read people's minds? I think there's a gift of re reading minds. I'm serious. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. It's called perceiving. You know, the Holy Spirit perceives. Well, just in case you're thinking bad things about me. <laughs> Anyways, well, I have done that before, you know. I think, I think all of you really probably have. You've perceived stuff that people were thinking. It was a gift. It's, it's the Holy Spirit dialing you in to the spiritual realm. Spiritual realm thoughts are more real 
they're just as real as, and we'll get that in a minute. They're very real in the spiritual realm. Everything in the spiritual realm is built around thoughts. That's how, that's how there's communications in the spiritual realm. You have an encounter with an angel and he's going to talk to you, they, they communicate through thoughts. You hear their thoughts. They hear your thoughts. You're thinking, well, what is this? Well, I'm an angel. I didn't, I didn't say anything. And I just heard him tell me, answer my thought. Anyways, are y'all good? So, and Jesus said this. Well, which is easier to say? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? But just in case, just in case, just in case, you're going to know that I have the power to forgive. Get up. And the guy got up. In other words, Jesus was saying the greatest thing that happened here today is this guy was forgiven. That's the greatest miracle is that we become righteous. That's the 80%. The 20% is getting up and walking. It's what we can, nobody can see into the heart. Nobody can understand the heart. Nobody can look into that part of us and say we're righteous or not righteous, except Jesus himself. That's why somebody says, do you think that person went to hell? And it's like, hey, I'm not the judge. You know, I'm, believe, I'm believing God wants all people to be saved, so maybe in the last quarter second of their life they receive Christ. That's what I'm trusting God for. I'm not the judge. I've had so many people ask me when they have a, like a loved one that, passed on it that well, didn't live a Christian life and weren't saved and they want to know it's like I couldn't tell you I wouldn't tell you they'd gone to hell I would never do I would say I got a good chance they went to heaven because I believe the Lord was trying to save them right to the very last you know right isn't that God you know isn't he always trying to bring people in he's not trying to condemn people anyways so what we have to see is once we begin to see this power of knowing that we're righteous. Not just theologically. Not just in our minds. But really knowing that no matter what, you're righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I began to make that confession. I'm righteous. When the devil came to me and started saying, Byron, you're just not measuring up, son. Well, I'm righteous. I don't have to measure up. I'm righteous. You're a failure. I don't have to. I don't have to be a failure. I'm righteous. Those people don't like you. It doesn't matter. I'm righteous. You just committed a terrible sin. Doesn't matter. I'm righteous. And when we begin to make that confession, something happens. This power gets released. I'm telling you, this power gets released in your life, and that power is grace. Grace begins to work in your life. And all the things that you're supposed to do, that you should do, you're not doing them to be righteous. You're doing them because of an outcome of your life. Your life is bearing fruits of righteousness. And you're not really doing it. You're just the tree that's bearing it. It's just coming forth in your life. Are y'all happy about this? Well, let me read this Romans 10.10 thing. Are y'all okay? I'm telling you this will change your life. I've been practicing it for a couple of years now, maybe three. You know, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. That's all we had to do is believe in the gift of righteousness. That when we got saved, God said, He said, You're righteous. You have the gift. Okay, I'm righteous. I believe it. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Confession. When we begin to speak 
what God is saying, that's where the power gets released. That's where things begin to happen. Um, Paul, the apostle, was in a ship that had been in a storm for two weeks, for four, I think 14 days. They did not see the sun for 14 days. They were being blown all around. And this angel came to Paul and said, Paul, everything's going to be all right. The ship's going to be lost, but none of the people are going to perish. You know what Paul told the people? He said, hey, we need to eat something. That's what he said. We need to eat something because we're going to be all right. The ship's going to, we're going to lose the ship, but everybody, God has given me the souls of every person here. I know this is true because an angel of the God I serve told me. Nothing changed. There was a, still a storm. There was still no light. The people were still in despair. And, but he was declaring, this is what God's going to do. He was speaking forth what he had heard in the spiritual realm. And guess what happened? Everybody was saved. The ship fell apart. Everybody was saved. Just like what the angel of the Lord said. It's, uh, God, why can't I remember that guy's name? Eugene Peterson, the Message Bible. He said this statement that has really just, I constantly been thinking about it the last two or three months. Words are not just saying something. They're making something. Your words are making something in your life. What you believe in your heart is ruling your life. It's ruling your life. If you believe you're righteous, your life is going to be ruled by that. And you can have power. But if you believe in your heart you've got to do something, you'll spend the rest of your life listening to those voices, struggling to be right, struggling to be accepted, struggling to be loved, struggling for everything. And your Christianity will be a crummy Christianity. In fact, it is a sorry version of Christianity. It's not even really a good... It's, it, to me, that's the way, well, well, when I'm 98 years old and on my deathbed, let me get saved then. Because I don't need a Christian life that I'm constantly struggling to, to please God and to be acceptable and to be made right based on my actions. Because I just don't want to live that way. It's too complicated and it's no fun. Let me read... Are y'all okay? Yeah. Proverbs twelve six. It says, The words of the wicked are lie and wait for blood. That's pretty bad, isn't it? But the mouth of the upright will deliver them, or literally will deliver him. Your words are going to either capture you and bind you or deliver you, set you free. Now, I've told you this a few times, but this really helps. In my home, we have a rule, and here's the rule. No accusations against God, period. None whatsoever is allowed. So, Becky's always catching me. <laughs> I never catch her saying bad things about God. But we call each other when we need to. Like, oh, we shouldn't be saying that. That's wrong. We don't make, let's make this right right now. We're not going to accuse God. We are not going to find fault with God. When God doesn't do what we think God should do, we are not going to question His integrity. Now, when you begin to do that, I caught myself recently. I almost did it. I was by myself in the house, and I started thinking about somebody I'd been praying for to be healed. And they weren't healed. And I know the Lord wants to heal them. I know 100% the Lord wants to heal them. And I was like, these thoughts like, wait a minute, God, what? A Lord, I'm so sorry I even thought that. I'm not going to think that way against you, God. I'm not going to bring accusations against the Lord. 
And you know, it'll make a difference in the atmosphere of your house when you do that. There'll be a lot more peace there. People come into your house, they'll feel the peace there. The angelic realm really likes to hang around in atmospheres like that. You know, they really do. Your atmosphere in your home will change for you when you begin to really realize your words are making something. Creating something. And you're delivering your life by your words. And I think the fundamental thing that we can begin to deliver our lives by is this confession of being righteous. When we begin to say, I am righteous. I refuse to hear anything else in my life. You commit your worst, on your worst day, your worst sin. You can still stand up and say, nevertheless, I'm righteous. Because if you don't, the devil's going to seize the moment in your heart. And then the grace, the power to overcome sin, the power to live the Christian life, the power to be victorious, you've lost touch with that power. And that's why a lot of people are not living victorious. Because of one thing, is they that 80% thing, and they're out there not believing that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here's what I did when I first began to get this revelation. I made a conscious decision. You know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to say some things to God. I'm going to confess to God that I have done things to try to be righteous. And I, so I made that and said, Lord, I confess to you I have done that. I've listened to that little voice in my mind that's trying to tell me I need to do something more. And that was wrong. And I ask you to forgive me for doing that. Number two, I renounce ever doing that again for the rest of my life. I will never do that again. I will not entertain those voices. And I will confess on a regular basis, I am righteous. Especially when I feel like I'm failing. Especially when I feel like I've done wrong. Especially when I feel bad. Especially when my prayers are not answered. I'm going to stand up. Nevertheless, I am righteous. And that has made a huge difference in my life. That's the 80%. And see, God is calling us into a time to really use our words. Okay? But if we don't learn how to use our words on ourselves, how in the world we think we're going to use our words on situations that need them, that are outside of ourselves, that are outside of our homes, outside of our influence, outside of our control? Here's something that really bothered me this week. It still is bothering me. You know, we were praying for that little that accident on Shinville Road. That little, I got this email that one of them babies died. Did that infuriate anybody in this room? When I read that, I was like, I was ready to go fight somebody over that. I was so upset because the devil destroyed a life. Especially when these children, when you hear of children dying and children getting sick, you know, there should not be a coffin for a little person. That should not exist. It shouldn't exist. It's just wrong. Anybody feel that way? You ever see a casket for a little child and just something in you just rises up like you just want to just... If you had a daggone machine gun, you'd start shooting anything that looked like the devil. <laughs> That's why God didn't give you a machine gun. <laughs> but see, God wants us to begin to be able to do stuff, things about stuff like that. He wants us to be able again to to deliver other people. How are we going to deliver other people? We're not even delivered ourselves. If we don't even believe the basic thing, the 80% that I'm righteous is a gift. I don't have to do anything about it. Do y'all believe this? I mean, really, do you really believe it? Deep down in your heart, do you really believe it? 
You really believe it. I'm righteous. God, that feels good. Just say that to the Lord. I'm righteous. Man, that feels good, Lord. <laughs> Does it feel good? When you begin to agree with God on something that's so fundamental and profound. Now, I want you to do this, if you would. Okay? Would you do this confession thing? Would you confess to the Lord that you've listened to those voices? Would you confess to the Lord you've done things to try to be righteous? And just ask Him to forgive you. Let's say, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I just confess to you. Come on, let's say it out loud. Confession ain't a thought. Confession's words. It's got to be words. We've got to say it. We can't just think it, honestly. A lot of people, <laughs> a friend of mine one time said, Byron, you think you've got a really good prayer life, but I'm going to be honest with you. You've got a good thought life because you spend more time thinking than you do praying. I thought, wow, how did you know that? <laughs> really is something important about saying. Okay, so I want you to say, if you will, you don't have to. You stand up if you would. If you don't have to do any of this, you're free. But I'll be honest with you, if you was a really a wise person, you'd do it. <laughs> It'll help you. I tell you, it will really help you a bunch. Just say this, Father, I confess to you that I have tried to be righteous in other ways apart from Christ. I thought I could do things or not do things and be righteous. I ask you to forgive me. I renounce that forever. And I declare over my life today, I am righteous. I will always be righteous before you. And I believe that today. And I declare it today. And I tell the devil today, I'm righteous. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm righteous. Just look at him and say, I'm righteous. Hey, even in your bad moment, you can say, I'm righteous. All right, now listen to this. One more thing. Are you all right? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to do this. I don't want you to just do this at church. It's like Dean was saying earlier. Hey, we, God's just trying to help us. This is sort of like the huddle. All right, this is the play we're going to do. We've done all the practice. When we leave, we do the play. We do the real thing. Because when we walk out of here, we walk out of here with ourselves. So we need to walk out of here saying, well, I'm righteous. I don't, I don't care what the devil says. I'm righteous. Oh, you're ugly. No, I'm righteous. <laughs> you're short. No, I'm righteous. You're too tall and skinny. No, I'm righteous. See, that'll solve a lot of And see, I'm telling you, those words will do something for you. They will change something because it, grace works through a righteous heart. Power works through a righteous heart. Well, here's the thing the Lord told me recently. I, this, is, this is sort of on the same side, just a little bit different. I was reading in Acts chapter 1, okay? And I was just, you know, normal reading. I wasn't trying to get a mess. I don't do that, actually. I don't try to get messages from the Bible. I try the Lord to speak to me through the Word. That's the message, you know? That trying to get stuff don't work, man. You spend a week trying to get a message and like, duh. There's nothing in the Bible to talk about, Lord. <laughs> Anyways, I was just reading the Bible sitting there, and I was, Acts 1, I got to verse 7. And Jesus was fixing to go back to heaven. And his disciples said, 
His disciples said, Lord, is it this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Okay? And this is what Jesus said to me. Suddenly it switched from a story in the Bible to God. You know, there's those moments where it's like, uh uh-oh. He said, it is not for you to know the times set apart by the Father. And he put in parentheses, 2012. Because I've been so into trying to prophetically understand 2012. Like, what, what's going to happen? What's God saying? What, this, that. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't do that. But the Lord was saying, Byron, it is not for you to know this. Okay? It is not for you to know this. In other words, let it go. Sure, we all need to be paying attention to what's happening in the world. So we can pray, like, you know, we need to pray, like, oh, Lord, I pray there won't be a nuclear war. I pray that you'd do something here. But you're going to have to determine if this is for you or not. I believe it's for a lot of people, though, because a lot of people are ate up with 2,000 times. Then, it wasn't all. That's where it got really good. It's not for you to know the time set by the Father. But! (laughs) He didn't quite say it that loud. But it did jump out at me pretty hard. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be a witness to me. In other words, this is what the Lord did. Byron, you got this big old limb of trying to prophetically understand the times. Let's cut that off. Let's prune this from your life. Clip. God takes away to establish. That's the Bible. That's Hebrews. He takes away the first to establish. He never cuts something out of our life without replacing it. Forget the focus on that. Because I have power for you. That's pretty good. I believe that. Suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm reading the book of Acts. Like, daggone. Signs and wonders, miracles. Every time you turn around, something was happening. Even, even in the last couple chapters when Paul was in jail, powerful stuff was happening. When he was, people were getting scared. He was talking to them. They were getting scared by what he was saying to them. That was power. And so I believe that's really what the Lord has for us. Power. You may have a calling to prophetically understand. And, and if God's given you that, you should really stick with it. I agree with that. But for me, what the Lord directly told me, but you shall receive power. He was given, like, this is, this is the direction for your life, son. And I think it's the direction for a lot of people in this room's life. I think a lot of people in this room, God's trying to clip you right now. Okay? He's trying to cut something out of your life. Okay? Stuff you might not want to let go of, actually. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses to me. In other words, you're going to see things. You're going to hear things in the spiritual world that you can say into this world. 
like Paul said, an angel told me everything's going to be okay. That's being a witness. Are y'all in for that? Let's receive that. Let's just ask the Lord right now. If the Lord has something to say to you about, you know, that He wants to clip on you, just let Him. Just say, Lord, you take away to establish. Just let Him clip you right now. Let Him bring a rhema word into your life. That was like a rhema word to me. But you shall, Byron, it's not for you to know this, but you shall receive power. You receive this if you want it. Okay, now just ask the Lord about that. I think this is really important right now for the time we live in. I think a lot of people in this room are supposed to receive power. Okay, to be witnesses unto the Lord. That's where I feel like we're supposed to be going, most of us. A couple of you probably need to hang in there with the prophetic understanding of the times. You know, and if God happens to tell you something, I mean, He's told me a couple of things about the time since then, but it's not like I'm like, oh, I've got to study this and I've got to understand this. It's like, I thank you, Lord. I, I appreciate that, but I'm going to receive power. That's what I'm focusing on, Lord, because that's what you told me to focus on. Come on, receive that right now. Just receive something from God right now. Lord, you've, received, you've released all kinds of stuff into this room this morning, I believe. You explained to us what you were doing in the Spirit this morning. You told us that you were demonstrating your emotions to impart into our hearts and carry us. You told us that you had, this morning specifically, you had brought us beside still waters to restore us, Lord. To help us, to fix us, to, to take care of us. Lord, we want to thank you for that. Lord, you told us this morning that we're righteousness of God. We are righteous people. You told us that. You're saying that you're righteous. And you're asking us to agree with you and confess that we're righteous. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Holy Spirit, now I'm praying for this rhema thing to come now. Okay? Rhema word from God for you this morning. Now, just receive that. That really impact your life really strongly. I got that word. I was just as dumb as a cluck, man, sitting there reading the Bible. Just dumb, duh, you know, not really spiritually feeling anything. Boy, oh boy. God takes away to establish. Hold your hands up. If you got something God's taken away from you especially, just give it to Him. He's taking it anyway. He's going to clip it anyway. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because he's going to put something else better in your hands and greater. I believe God wants to restore people spiritually, financially, and emotionally. I really believe that. Spiritually, financially, and emotionally. He wants to... All that's been sucked out of you. And sucked out of you and sucked out of you and sucked out of you. This morning, God really wants to fill you emotionally. Heal your emotions. Heal the brokenness and the hurt. And your finances you've lost and lost and lost and lost. God wants to restore. Lord, I ask you to do that. And I believe the Lord wants to restore some of you spiritually. You've lost your spiritual steam, so to speak. This morning, the Lord... Is going to restore you spiritually. Lord, just do that right now. Just touch people on their heads. I just saw the Lord touching people on their heads. Your thought realm. Just touching people on their thought realm. Just fixing thoughts in there. Lord, wow. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Just give the Holy Spirit a chance right now. 
You know, I'm really big into being intentional with the Lord. When the Lord speaks to me, I really, like, want to act on what He's saying. I don't... Like, when He spoke that to me, I really started writing down every verse in, out of the book of Acts where there was a miracle. I started just went through and writing them down and praying over them. Like, Lord, here's a sign and wonder. I want that. I want miracles. I want to see people healed. I want to set people free. I want children to be saved. I want children to be protected, Lord. I don't want any more children to die in car accidents in my community, Lord. I don't want any children to get diseases in this. That's what I want, Lord. I want to start speaking that stuff. Hey, I want to speak forth this. I'm going to be really bold. I can do it this morning because Angel's not here. I want to declare this, a break in the case. Matt Stewart's murder. Can anybody agree with me on that and yeah. declare that into the, into the spirit realm in this community? Let's just declare. See, that's what being the righteous of God will bring you into. We can declare. Lord, we are decreeing this this morning. A break in the case, Lord, that something would happen with the police department and that person who did this, there would be a break in the case, Lord. There would be a break in the case, Lord. We want that thing solved, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, how much, you got something in your life that you need to speak over this morning? You already spoke that you was righteous. You got grace working. Now, you got something you need to speak over? Family member that needs to be saved? Situation you're facing? We need to speak over them right now. We need to begin to take authority over these things. How are you going to learn this until you start doing it? You got to start somewhere. Start speaking over it. Just say it out loud. Just shout it out. It don't matter. Just start shouting it out. Just shout it out. If it's salvation, say, I want my child saved. I want my child healed. I declare that. I declare deliverance for them. I declare the best for them, Lord. Come on, I don't want to be the only one doing this. You've got something you need from God in your life. You begin to speak it forth because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You got grace working in your heart right now. Let it go to work. Let it come out of your mouth and make that powerful confession. There's power on your words. You're going to be making something. You're going to be creating something. Say it, say it out. Oh, Jesus. Say it out. Come on, say it out. Just take this moment. It ain't even 1 o'clock yet. You're not anxious. Say it out. Just say it out. Create a world. Create a world with what you feel like God's put in your heart. Create a world. Stop letting the world dictate to you. Create what you want. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven three, the world, the worlds were framed by the word of God. God framed these worlds by a word He spoke. Speak a word. Yeah. Star studs healed. Whole. Yeah. Come on. Star, we declare you healed. We've already seen you healed. Lord, we ask you to break. <laughs> Woo, anybody else got something like that they want to declare out? There's power on that. Boy, when a mama says that, buddy, you better get out of the way. Anybody got anything they want to declare? Declare it. Come on. Cindy Martinez. We declare your healing. Come on, anybody else? 
What'd he say? Joshua. Hold, Joshua. We decree your wholeness, Joshua. Come on. Steve Lavin's son-in-law. That's straight. We declare wholeness for Steve's son-in-law. Wholeness. 100% recovery. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Come on. Anybody got anything else? Anybody got any financial needs? Don't be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about this morning, folks. Uprighted. We declare it to be uprighted. All the water in the boat would leak out into the sea. The holes would be plugged. And the ship would no longer list. And the wind would come into its sails today. The ship of MCA. We declare that over that school in Jesus' name. Oh, oh yeah. Marriage is restored. Marriage is restored. Come on. And when you think about a marriage, think about somebody you know that's in a marriage struggle. You don't have to say them out, but just say, Marriage restored in Jesus' name. If you got a relationship, a friendship, or something, it's just like, Lord, let's declare that friendship and relationship healed, restored. Just declare it. God really loves to fix relationships. I'll tell you, that's a big thing on His agenda. Just declare it out if you got one of those. Just speak it out. Yeah. Healing center. A financial center. Woo! Yeah, Lord. The bank of heaven would be open over this church that we could pour into the world, into the nations, Lord. Into the poor, Lord. Into the orphans, Lord. Wow. We declared that, Lord. Come on, anybody else? We declared no more seizures for Rhonda. Now, come on. We're getting down to something. We declared no more seizures. We curse seizures in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's per- Diabetes. Anybody got diabetes? Raise your hand. We declare diabetes healed of these people whose hands are raised. No more diabetes. Diabetes free church. Lord, I pray this place would be so free of diabetes, everybody walks in the door would get healed of it. They just walk into the healing of diabetes in Jesus' name. Acid reflux. Everybody who has acid reflux, you know what that is. It's bad. Lord, we just decree that as a reflux, huh? we bring it under the authority of Christ today. Come on. Families be healed. Branches of the family. Yes, Lord, we pray for our children, grandchildren, cousins, and uncles and aunts, and grandmas and grandpas, mamas and daddies. We declare healing over their life, Lord. The family tree would be made whole. The family trees would be made whole, God. Yeah. Yeah. 
Grace and Michael have a baby. Hurry up. <laughs> Grace, get pregnant. <laughs> baby full term. <laughs> Healthy babies. Anybody pregnant in here this morning? Raise your hand. Any pregnant girls? Dean, you ain't pregnant. Oh, let's get her up here. We want to pray. Come on. Let's pray for the pregnant girl. Let's really release health. This is what the church is supposed to be doing, okay? Come on out here. Let's put our hands on the pregnant girl, okay? The baby would be whole. Come on, a couple guys, so you can pray for the girl, too. That we want to decree wholeness and health over this McCafferty child in the womb. How many is that? Six? This is number six. <laughs> the husband, y'all pray for him. He needs help, Lord. He's having a sixth baby. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we declare healing and wholeness over this family, Lord. With, with six children and one in the oven would be safe and healthy and whole. Grace over this pregnancy. Finances. Who else has a big family? Raise your hand. People who have big families. Y'all need extra help. Extra finances for those who've raised their hand this morning. If your hand is up, God wants to release extra finances to you. you got more mouths to feed. We declare that with more mouths comes more income, more blessings, more favor for those mouths to feed. Those children to, to put clothes on and provide covering for. And all the things that it takes to raise a child in this world today, Lord, we pray the floodgates of heaven will be open over these people today in Jesus' name. All right, anybody else? We're fixing to stop right on time. Debt's erased. Who's in the debt's erased? God, do a miracle. Even if we got in debt unwisely and foolishly, even in disobedience, today we're saying we're righteous. So, Dad, we declare you erased in Jesus' name. And we won't do it again. <laughs> Not that that's going to make us righteous. We just learned the hard way. <laughs> we don't want to spend all our money paying interest, interest fees. Hey, I want to pray this over all of us. That all of us will become very wise with finances. In this time we live in. Because it takes a different financial savvy than it did in prior times, okay? Father, we're calling forth for the manifold wisdom of God upon every person in this room because it takes different wisdom in this age with finances than it did in prior times. We call it forth down on us right now. We receive that. That we'd have wisdom about our finances. Remarkable wisdom. We call it forth, Lord. I pray for everybody in this room's finances. I pray their finances to be healthy, Lord. Lord, it'd be so healthy that people would be attracted to come here to find out what's changing your finances. Oh, God, do that. And that we could share with people the great secrets of God, a God of love, a God of care, a God that wants to bless people and help people in their everyday lives. Oh, we just thank you for that today, Lord. Let's just uh, thank the Lord for Him helping us. Let's ask the Lord to show us how to walk all this out in a practical way.